Volunteers, volunteers, volunteers. How do we recruit them? How do we train them? How do we empower them to make Sunday happen? We'll talk about it today. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. This is episode number 428. We are all leading up to the close out of this podcast with episode number 430 here in just a couple of weeks. Next week on the show, I'll welcome Pastor Craig Groeschel. He will be our final guest on this podcast, and then 430 will be a show retrospective. Uh, we'll be kind of celebrating our favorite clips, our favorite guests on the show, lots of uh, of fun over the years that you don't want to miss that show as well. So uh, be here for the final two episodes, 429 and 430. Now, you're not getting rid of me that easy. The launch of our brand new platform, our brand new uh, name and brand is underway. We are moving from 1230 Media to Church Visuals, and we are so excited about this move churchvisuals.com will be our new online home. It will be our new name, our new brand, Church Visuals. And again, you'll find us at churchvisuals.com. It will feature over 30,000 pieces of ready-made graphics and video. So we are combining our 1230 Media brand and our 1230 Kids brand. We're adding students and we're calling it church visuals. You can also come to us for custom media. We serve a lot of churches and ministries with custom graphics and custom video content. We specialize in motion graphics. We can do about anything, uh, shooting and editing, uh, but we also have team that is very, very skilled in the world of motion graphics as well. So this new platform uh, will house new podcasts, Brand new courses, articles, books, and more. Again, churchvisuals.com is coming soon. All right, today I welcome my friend Nick Blevins. Nick is the author of The Volunteer Playbook, and we'll talk about a framework to help your church recruit, train, and empower new volunteers and empower the ones that you currently have. So how do we uh, minister? How do we pastor our volunteers? Nick has the playbook. So my interview with Nick Blevins is coming right up. Hey, ministry leader, it's time you're in the middle of fall ministry preparation and rollout. But let me interrupt briefly with a huge announcement from our team. By now, you know, we're changing our name and this is a huge rebrand for us, but we are excited for what it means for you. First, we're combining 1230 Media and 1230 Kids. Now, this simplifies our catalog of work. And secondly, we are ready to announce our brand new name and brand. We're changing our name to, cue the drum roll, Church Visuals. Now why? Because that's what we specialize in. And our promise to you, we'll provide you with world-class graphics and videos to help you visually communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to your community. Now, why is this so important to us? because it is to you. Your visuals matter. And we are so pumped about our new logo and our new brand. 
Over the last several months, we've been working on a massive new website. We'll also be changing our social media channels. Both of those changes will set us up for the future in a big way to help serve you even better. And this rebranding process has us laser focused on leading the church visuals industry. And I'd like to say that we're launching everything with our new name and brand today. But as you know, everything takes time and we want you to be on this ride with us. So be on the lookout for church visuals soon. We didn't want to surprise you with any of the changes. And thank you for walking with us on this journey. And in a very short time, we'll let you know when the official launch of our new website is and all the details so that you know how our new name impacts you. In the meantime, let me give you some brand new free church visuals for your time. As you move into the fall, I want to give you our latest Fall Volume 4 pack. And this collection of visuals includes a countdown, title motions, editable title and social media graphics, and more. It's a $25 value for you, completely free for your church. Just go to 1230media.com slash freefallpack, or you can click on the link below. You can use the code FALL23 at checkout. Again, that's 1230media.com slash freefallpack, and use the code FALL23 at checkout to download it completely free. We are praying for you as you launch your fall ministries, and remember, your visuals matter. Hey guys, I welcome my friend Nick Blevins. Nick is the next-gen pastor at Community Christian Church. He's also the author of the Volunteer Playbook, brand new book on volunteers. Nick, welcome, man. Thanks for being here. Hey, Carl. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, buddy. And thank you for uh, enduring my my cold. It is still just right here. So uh, right I can... Uh, here. Yeah, right in the nose. It's nowhere else. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, you're not going to give it to me through the... Through I hope, this, I hope so, not. You know, I hope I'm not. Good. Uh, so, but anyway, just, uh, for, forgive my, uh, my, my voice and getting over this cold. I, I was telling you that, uh, I've had it for like a week and I can't shake it. So, uh, so we'll see. That's never we'll see. Hopefully That's I won't drop fun. in the middle of this interview with you. Hopefully not. <laughs> well, man, uh, I introduced you a little bit, but tell folks where you serve and, and what your week to week looks like. Yeah. I serve on staff at Community Christian Church, North of Baltimore, Maryland. It's a church plant that we... Uh, helped start 17 years ago. So it's hard to call it a church plan anymore because, yeah. you know, those days yeah. are a long time ago. But, you know, I still remember it like it was yesterday. I lead our next gen staff and our operations team. And then uh, in addition to that, I get to help kind of the Big C Church through Ministry Boost, an uh, organization that some friends and I started to help train kids and student pastors, as well as Slingshot, where we help churches hire staff. So, yeah, got a few different things going on all the time. You know what that's like, Carl. I do, I do, and I know that we uh, we see each other at conferences and stuff, man. You do a great job, uh, both at your church and with Ministry Boost, and uh, and just doing great work. So, I appreciate you. Tell me, uh, tell me how this book, the Volunteer Playbook, uh, came about for you. Sure. Yeah, it started ten years ago. That's how long it took me to write it. Although it was one of those things where I obviously was not writing for ten years, but at that point, ten years ago, I felt like I'd learned a lot about leading ministry after messing it up plenty. You know what I mean? How that is. You make so many mistakes, especially in a church plant where you're building a lot of things from scratch, but also from going to conferences. Like you mentioned, you know, we see each other as exhibitors with our own booths, but I always love going to conferences to learn, 
from other leaders. What are you doing at your church? What's working? What's not working? And so the idea for the book was, you know, we tend to think of when we need more volunteers, especially with recruiting, is there one great idea? What's that one video? Can I get a video from church visuals that's going to make everybody in the auditorium watch it and sign up afterwards? And one thing is, it's like one thing can be good, but it's usually never enough. So I thought I'd wanted to write a book about how could we address all the issues that maybe impact our volunteer culture, recruiting and training and all that, so that somebody could kind of approach it in a step-by-step format to build the healthy volunteer culture that we all desire. And I feel like the book is... I mean, more than 90% just collection of other things I've learned. Like, it's not my ideas. It's not, I didn't come up with this stuff. You know what I mean? It's just best practices that I've learned over the years from other people. I could probably quote 200 people on there. I know, right? Um, So, I mean, especially for those who make Sunday happen, uh, volunteers is the lifeblood of the church. I mean, we cannot do Sunday without volunteers from your visual media, creating it to worship teams, first impressions, you know, the tech crew running things, all, all of the things, uh, volunteers make it happen. So, um, uh, you're talking to a lot of ministry leaders here. So get it, kind of get us started here. How do we, where did you start the book out, uh, with, how do you recruit? How do you train? How do you keep up with them? Kind of tell me how you laid the book out. That's a great question. Cause I went back and forth on this many times over the 10 years. Cause if originally the idea of the book was like, let's build a healthy volunteer culture from the ground up. So there is a section on mission, vision, you know, culture strategy, but it's not at the beginning of the book anymore because I thought that's going to be boring. Some people are not going <laughs> to like, they're going to say, I need volunteers now. I don't have four chapters of like, let's build the foundation in me. So I actually ordered the book like Let's start with the problem. The main problem is there's there's so many things that impact volunteerism. I mean, there's probably hundreds, you know, of little things, some big things that impact volunteerism in our church. It's not just one solution. It's not just one ask from stage, one awesome video, one social media push. It's a bunch of things. And so how do we address them? And so I just start with recruiting. The first few chapters are about here's a framework for recruiting. It's different from teaching it in different settings. I've learned that a lot of people aren't used to like having this kind of a framework. They're used to different tactics, like an an announcement from stage, a a ministry fair in the lobby, something like that. It is funny though, because we've taught this content, me and some of my uh, friends and coworkers with ministry boost in some live settings. We do workshops, we work with churches and almost every time somebody says, man, you know what? When I used to work at this place before I worked for the church, we did something like this in sales or in this. And it's like, they put the two pieces together. Like, this is just that just repackaged and changed for ministry. And we're like, yes, yes, it is. It is basically contacting people, having conversations. And there are certainly tweaks to it for the ministry setting, but that's all it is using this framework to help go from, Hey, I need, let's say I need to recruit 17 volunteers. Okay, great. Start here, do this, then this, Mm -hmm. then this, and get yourself to the 17 you need. So the first kind of main strategy, I want to walk through some of the, I had a great time going through the book, by the way. So, uh, some of the main main strategies you kind of uh, gave some main things. So let's walk through the first one, and that is start recruiting weekly. Um, mm-hmm. That it's not maybe like a, a big event necessarily, but it is a consistent weekly thing. You want to walk me through kind of the recruiting framework? Yeah, I'll talk about the framework and then talk about how you could use it weekly because a lot of people hear weekly. And they're thinking, really? Like, am I really going to work on this? And the funny thing is, again, if I've 
the many times I've gotten to teach this in a live setting, one of the questions I'll usually ask is, hey, raise your hand. I always tell people, close your eyes so we're not all spying on each other. Show me using you know your hands and fingers how many hours a week you spend recruiting. Most people hold up a zero. Most people, like 80%. Some of them say one hour, some say two, and every now and then you'll get people say three or four or something like that. Most of them say zero. So that, like we all know we're not spending enough time on the thing that matters most. And I think the framework can help you actually do it weekly. So the first part of the framework we call prospects. And it just means this is, and think of it like steps. Like if I'm somebody attending church and I'm not involved anywhere, I'm on this first step. I'm a prospect. I'm somebody who could serve. And the framework is just the five steps that you can take people through to go from not serving to plugged in. So we say prospects are anyone who could serve in your ministry. Like we haven't done background checks. We're not talking vetting. Ideally, I think they shouldn't be serving anywhere else. So I wouldn't be fishing in the pond of like, let me go get the student ministry volunteers or let me go get you know, the, the group's volunteers. So you take anyone who could be serving. And this is what's funny about this. I think this is the easiest step of the process because all you're doing is putting names on a list, like quite literally. Like I said earlier, what if I need to recruit 17 volunteers? Well, using our framework, we would tell you to have 10 times that many prospects. So 170 names. Now, again, people who are listening might be thinking, that's a lot. Like, I don't, yeah, are there 170 people in my church not serving? I don't know. Like, it depends, you know, on your size church. But the reason we do that is because, again, these are, some of these people may not even be attending that much. You might get them from your database, find out they're not serving. So you got 170 of them and you're going to, you know, email them or text or call them. You can do whatever you want, but we usually teach you email them once. And, and usually like if you email 170 people and we have, a, I have a script in the book, I would bet you would get maybe eight to 12 replies, something like that. You know, so most people aren't even replying to you, even if you make it look personal. So then usually we, I will say, email them again a week later. And I do a little hack where I make it look like I'm replying to that first one, even if it is through my church management software. Um, so it'd be like, hey, Carl, wanted to know if you saw my email below. Would love to talk with you this Sunday. Right. And then so you as the person getting it are like, oh, no, this wasn't just a mass email. <laughs> they noticed. Nick noticed I did not reply. So you'll get some more that way. But, you know, again, maybe you'll get 30 replies over a couple weeks, three weeks if you email twice. Uh, we'll also say you could text a third time. And once you do that, now you've got people you're talking with. So you're at step two of the process called conversation. So you, those people that were prospects that haven't responded, they're still there. But these 30, let's call it, have responded. Maybe they responded to the email or replied to your text. So we consider that in conversation. And this is where it's different than like sales or like people that say they learned something like this at their old job. Because to me, when we are in conversation pe with people, our job is to pastor them, number one. And serving in our ministry might not be their best next step. You know, you get talking and it's like, yeah, I don't think um, serving, you know, you have like, let's say you're in, you're leading worship arts. It's like you have no, if you're like me, I have zero musical ability, Carl, zero instrumental, vocal, none. So like, I would never want to be able to serve. Nobody would want me serving in that way on tech, maybe, but you know, certainly not in a band. And so there's going to be times like that where you get into the conversation. I mean, I had a conversation with a guy who had moved up to our area probably six months earlier and he'd been through some hard things in his life. He was looking for a job. His best next step was getting in a group with some other men in our church for sure. And so, and I knew that, you know, a few moments into the conversation in my head, I'm like, this is not pushing you to serve 
in our family ministry. So you're in conversation. You have to figure out, you know, who their best next step is serving and who you know, their best next step is something else. And then after that, the next step in the process is the orientation. And for us, I say orientation, and I bet most people think, oh, you're new to serving. Let me show you how this ministry works. You know what I mean? Like, let's like train you, essentially. We kind of teach orientation more like, let's sell you on serving in this ministry. Let me get you in the room. Let's talk about what this ministry is all about, why this matters, and then cast a vision to where you're going to say, you know what? I'll give up some of my time every week for that. So that's kind of how we position orientation. And the whole idea of the framework is people are saying yes to smaller things along the way, as opposed to like, hey, Carl, I'm Nick. Can you serve every week with our student ministry for three hours a week? You know, like, no, you're, you're going to say no to that. Right. But hey, Carl, could we chat? I'd love to hear about your story, where you came from. Um, you could say yes to that and yes to a conversation. Right. The last two steps are just onboarding people and then getting them placed in the role, which we all know about that. It's the first three that matter most. Yeah. Do you feel, uh, I kind of feel this way, and I, and I saw this when I served at churches, the more uh, the more energy I put on this step, this onboarding step, uh, recruiting, onboarding, um, the, the more impact it, it made. In a, I mean, this was like the crucial piece for me, that if I focus more on the onboarding and getting people in and plugged in and excited to serve, then the training, I mean, we definitely had systems for training and things like that. But I think that I see a number of people do not place enough emphasis on this onboarding category. I would agree. Would you agree? I would agree. Do you think, um, was that unique to like your ministry area that you led in? Or do you think that was across the board? I'm curious. Just like I'd I love think to it's across the board. I think as I talk to yeah. people, I mean, the conferences we go to, if I ask what people are struggling with nine times out of 10, it's volunteers. I need more volunteers, sure. but then I'll, then I'll ask them, okay, well tell me about your onboarding process. And it's kind of a little bit deer, deer in the headlights. I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that they're not trying. That's not what I'm saying. But, but I think this is an area that, that a lot of churches need help and, and how to frame and how to yeah. do is how to onboard people in a way that gets them excited about being intentional about that onboarding process. Yeah, I would agree. And I've, I've seen, and I don't know if you've seen this too, this was a little surprising to me, but I've worked with church leaders where they would tell you that for every 10 volunteers that already said yes, like they've already like raised their hand, filled out a form, like they're not prospects. They've already said they want to serve. They might only place like five of them, like five out of 10. And if I hear that, I think, oh, no, 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 something's wrong with the yeah. process. You know what I mean? If, yeah. In our in our mind, it's like you should place nine out of 10. Right. And that one out of 10 is that exception where it's like, oh, we did check in your background. That wasn't good. Or, right. you know, you got to get into it and, you know, it's not really your gifts or, you know, like so there's there maybe eight out of 10 is OK, right. too. But anything less than that, I would say what you're saying is you probably have to ins inspect your onboarding process. And in my experience, what happens is we're either too slow and we miss people. So like, Carl, you, you filled out the application yeah. and then I don't get back to you. Yeah, nobody weeks. ever got back with me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or, or you didn't fill out the application and I didn't remind you for three weeks. Right. Right. Or, you know, we've got it now we're in the interview process and it's like, we got to schedule an interview. We go back and forth. I'm talking to a guy now that I'm actually trying to recruit to serve. So we're not at this step of the process yet, but it has taken two months to schedule him. If he would already said yes, I would have been way more aggressive. 
you know, he's not there yet. So I've been like, you know, more relaxed in the scheduling. And because I think what happens is people drop off at different steps. We don't manage it well administratively. And then by the end, it's like you're again, you're five out of 10 have been placed. I think if you do it well, you have a clear process. You're looking at it every week, you know, get people to hold you accountable if you need to. And you're moving people along. You should place nine out of 10. Once they say yes, nine out of 10 of them, eight at least should be serving. And I heard Doug Field say this once. I thought it was great. It was at a conference this past year. Somebody asked, like, how fast should your onboarding be? Or And, and like even your, not just onboarding, but you're also kind of vetting them, right? And he said, we want to make it as quick as we can while covering all our bases safety-wise. But you can make it as short or as long as you want, depending on your gut. And he told a story about a volunteer, a guy that showed up on the volunteer, and it was just kind of weird. It's like, we don't really know you. This is You're trying to move fast. And he intentionally slowed it down for months to the point where it you know, scared the guy off. And it turned out down the road that guy was not good. Like he went to another yeah. church and did terrible things. And so Doug's point was like, we can get you on board in two weeks. We can make you take six months. You yeah. know, like, I think right. we need to go to this class. You need to go to this, right. get in this group. And so yeah. I thought that was a good, good piece of wisdom. But the biggest thing I think is you have a specific plan with clear steps and you're holding people accountable, including yourself, every step of the way. So nobody gets lost. I do think that we don't follow up as fast as we need to. I'll give you an example. My, hmm. but we, we've been, uh, my family's been going to a new church the last year or so. And uh, the last couple of months, my wife has, uh, vo- has requested to volunteer in the first impressions space. Mm-hmm. I would say a month ago, and no one has contacted her. And she's like, oh, I am one. ready to go. I, am, I will plug in next Sunday. No yeah. one has contacted me. Um, and that's just one example. We, we, we've, we've seen that a couple of times um, uh, where, and, and I've, I've seen it in other ministries. I've, se- I've seen that, that I'm like, I, and I would actually uh, have other ministries be jealous of me because we recruited so many people. I'm like, yeah, I'm just being intentional about calling them as soon as they turn in a thing. You know, yeah. I, I, they're on a list and they're a prospect and I'm following up with them and I'm getting them to their next step. Now, that doesn't mean that they're like plugged in and thrown to the wolves and running the whole thing sure. next Sunday. That's not what I'm talking about. But <laughs> yeah. at least moving them to at least a, a first point of contact. Um, I, I think we should be much more intentional about. All right. So let's Absolutely. Uh, let's move to your second strategy. And this is probably your build the build the foundation stuff. This is mission, vision, culture, right? Yeah, and this is where I thought the book would start when I originally had the idea. Because in my mind, I'm like, let's build a healthy ministry with volunteers from the ground up. What does that look like? And so, and these are those things that, like, I think they're really important. They're just not that exciting. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not. It's not um, urgent. So, like, when it's you know Monday and you're thinking about next week. Maybe you can spend a little time on this, but by the time Tuesday, Wednesday rolls around, you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get all this done, you know, to get ready for the weekend. So it's, um, I think it's important, but never urgent. So I still wanted it in the book because I thought, let's get you recruiting volunteers. Once you can get enough new volunteers in, that would help a leader then spend more time on this, you know, and less time doing what they used to be doing. I'd say um, in the book, I talk about mission, vision, strategy, and culture. And I talk about what I think, how they're different, because sometimes I think we use those terms interchangeably. I don't think this like is one of those make or break things. 
I, d- I don't think it's uh, sometimes we put too much stock in some of these and we could talk about each one a little bit, but to me, missions, like one of the easiest ones, it's like, why does your church exist? Well, all our churches exist for the same reason. Like you can come up with a different way to say it, but we're all yep. about the great commission. And then vision visions, like you can decide, or am I going to say a big picture vision? Like our church's vision is to reach people who are not a part of any church. So that's big picture. It didn't even have a number on it. I mean, we could have put a number on it. We want to reach a thousand people that are not a part of any church. Uh, vision can be real specific too. Like here is how the per presenter is supposed to be set up for Sunday morning. So for the, you know what I mean? Like here's what it should look like. That's a vision for that. So I think those matter strategy, like how are we going to do what we're going to do in this ministry? Like think about, again, if this is your, your main services, what is our strategy when we have a service each week? Not that we're not, you know, led by the Holy Spirit and there's some nuance there, but what is our plan each week with a service and with this service? What's the strategy? But the one that's probably the one that people notice the most is culture. Like, I don't know that culture, culture is not the most important because obviously your mission is really important. We can have a great culture and just be a country club, right? You know, you want to be the church, but culture is the one people feel. And I actually think culture too is the one that helps with recruiting or hurts. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you have Mm -hmm. a bad culture, people sense that and they're like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Um, But if you have a good culture, people love it. They're having fun. They feel like a team. Like they feel like what they're doing matters. Then they're more likely to invite their friends. And so in the book, I just walk through, here's what mission is. You, you know, here's how you can create one for your, church or your ministry. And there's always that tension. I don't even know what to do with this, Carl. Maybe you have thoughts on this. I'm always trying to help people um, figure out mission and vision and strategy, but I don't necessarily think a church should have a church mission, a church vision. The worship ministry has got its own mission and vision, the kids ministry. I don't love that either. So I'm always walking that tension of like trying to help leaders. If you can just have one for your whole church, please do that. If you can only control what's in your ministry, and your church mission is like on a wall and nobody knows what it says. Okay, fine. Make, you know what I mean? Like helping leaders lead within the context they're in. It's a little challenging. Every church is different. Yeah. I would say, you know, maybe it's a slight variation on your church's vision. You know, if your church's Mm -hmm. vision is to reach the lost, maybe it is reach the lost through creating experiences where people meet Jesus. Or something yeah, like that. Yeah. If it's if, if we're the the tech team or the worship team, um, yeah. you know, something like that. Or or helping little lives, re, you know, reaching little yeah. lo- you know, something like that. If you're a kids ministry, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a variation of, or maybe your maybe your mission is the same as the church. Maybe your vision, maybe that's where it comes into play. That it's this is how we're accomplishing the the big mission of our church through this vision of our specific ministry. I can yeah, go, I can I like go either way on that. I, I heard somebody say one time, I think it's in a church leadership book, probably from like 15 years ago. But I remember the author saying, a lot of times your church is only going to remember one thing. And what he meant yeah. was like the whole, like everybody in the service. Now, once you're volunteering, yeah. you're at a different commitment level. You can start yeah. to remember more than one thing. And um, I, I do agree, agree with, with that. that. The simple has power. Yeah. yeah. And we like, so in our church, we decided our our mission is helping people find their way back to God. And a long time ago, we decided we're saying that in every service somehow mm-hmm. in the hosting, in the welcome, the worship leader will say it. Uh, whoever's preaching will get it in there either in the beginning or just in their message. And sure enough, that's the thing everybody knows. Like if you you don't have to come long four or five weeks and you've probably like you could you could recite that. In fact, we have like our new attender class 
And I, I'll notice that people know that, you know, yeah. by the time they're even there, they don't know our vision. They may have never heard it. We have a strategy, but they probably don't know it. You know what right. I mean? Right. And they felt our culture. They got that before anything else. But yeah, I kind of agree with that. I like the one thing. So that's what I would lean to. It's like, if you yeah. want, if you want to just pick one and roll with that, that what's going to help your ministry the best do that. How can you really help it not be like a policy manual? Like I'm not creating, we're not really creating a policy. I, I think you hit on something that like, this doesn't need to be super complicated that like, I'm going to write this whole manual over that nobody looks at, you know, yeah. it could just be the mission of your church and you could write out a couple sentences of how you want to do it with your, uh, with your team. And that's your vision. Um, culture, I think is probably like, being intentional about certain things that this might be internal and you, I'd love for you to speak this. this. This might be internal for me as the leader. Like I want to create a culture that people know each other or people feel, mm -hmm. you know, what, or like maybe it's specific things. Like for me, it became, I'm going to, instead of it being a dark room in the tech booth or the, the control room where the lights are off and everybody's on their cell phone. For me, that was the lights are on. And I'm putting stuff outside of the control room or maybe in the back that people can do together. So for me, mm -hmm. we had a space outside of the control room. I added a couch. I added a countertop. I added a refrigerator. I mounted the TV with the uh, service there. I put games out. I put cards out. I put like that was me being intentional about creating this. That And that was on me. You know, if it yeah. was a dark room where all they had was their cell phone. And they, I mean, that was me being intentional about creating that, that space of culture of community. Uh, yeah. and we didn't do everything right, but like, I, I think that that's, I don't know. What, what do you, what do you think about that? I think, uh, like a volunteer room, even if it's a room that's used for something else, but you use it for that on Sunday is one of the best culture hacks because like you said, it gets people talking in community, like that downtime that you don't get during the service or during student ministry, during kids ministry or whatever. I think that's one of the best hacks. T like t-shirts are another one where it's right. like, you can't always afford to do that. But like we have shirts right now in kids ministry where the back says we bring the fun. That's not even a value or a culture thing for us. We do have one that's similar, but like, again, that those words, it just kind of speaks something. You know what I mean? I think the best way to not make it a manual is mission and vision to me are one liners like memorable right. short one-liners. Right. So that, yeah, exactly. If you know, I grew up in a church where the mission statement was like a book, you know what right. I mean? Like it was like right. a page, right. had right. some doctrine in there. Like nobody's remembering that. Um, strategy is a little tougher because, but to me, that's still a napkin. Like I could be like, right. Hey, our strategy is to help people celebrate, connect and contribute. Here's what that means. If they do these things in their life over and over and over again, they're going to grow their faith. Right. And then cultures where it does get tough. Cause I've seen, um, our church has 11 culture statements. Nobody's memorizing them. Okay. Right. Not staff, not anybody. Uh, I know churches that have four, you know, and like you can memorize four. Um, I'm working with a church to hire a student pastor in Florida. They have, they call it the house rules. And I think they have 12 and they have, you know, there's each one's a sentence or like, and it's not two sentences, but a sentence with a little thing. And they have, it even have like icons for them, like little graphics. And it's one of those things where I think with culture, the goal isn't memorize all the things. I think the, the culture, the thing is have some phrases that are determined and specific and right. unique. Don't say we value prayer. We value right. good music. We value, you know, I don't right. know. We value right. the Bible. Right. Pick some unique things with some, some unique phrases. 
And then you just use those over time to kind of define the culture you want. And what happens is people start to get it. You know, it starts to happen because you're saying it and now people are living it, even though nobody's memorizing it. But if it right. ends up as a page, like here's our list of 11 values and we never look at it. Well, yeah, you've gone to the process manual. So it's yeah. might want to think something else. Yeah, good. All right. So how do we structure, how do you structure your team for, for more growth? How do you set yourself up to scale? Yeah, I think this is a big, this was a barrier for me in our church when we were probably three years in, we were not like every other church plant because there were 200 people that were on the launch team before we started. So the church was 500, you know, year one. And our barrier then was just, we need more volunteers and you always need more volunteers. But a few years in the barrier was this, it was, I was leading 60 volunteers and I am not that good of a leader. And so the idea of like, I'm caring for these people, I know them, I can lead them, train them, like that was not happening. And so I think the best way to scale is to think of it like, which sounds very business-like, but like an org chart. How can I lead some people who can now lead other people? And you see that in the Bible and Exodus 18 with uh, Jethro telling Moses, okay, this is not helpful. Like you need leaders of tens, fifties, hundreds, thousands. I think we even see it in the New Testament uh, with the commissioning of the seven, you know, the, the apostles don't have time to do preaching the word and prayer and caring for widows and the poor. And so they bring on the seven. And then right after that, there's that passage about the number of uh, priests grew daily and people were added to the faith. Like there's a connection between what I would call giving ministry away and, and giving leadership away and growth. Uh, it's not magic. It's not like, man, it just happens like that. You know, God's still at work and who knows what's going to be involved there. But to me, in our church, we call them volunteer coaches. And that could be a preschool coach, a band coach, a frontline, a guest services coach. Um, and they do slightly different things, but not really. I mean, 70% of their job is the same. They're leading a team of people. Right. You know, like that guest services coach, his job is different in the sense that here's the team they're leading and they're welcoming people and greeting folks and parking folks and all that. And that's different than the band. Like if you're a band coach, there's a lot of skill there. You're help. You're helping run the service. You are giving feedback for what's happening on stage and what it sounds like and what the transitions are like. So there's definitely some difference there, but at the core, we could bring all of our coaches together from all over the church and do leadership training. And it would make sense to all of them, you know, cause they're all doing like, I think the way I say it is if it's working right, I should be able to take a coach from one ministry, have them sub in on another ministry and they would be okay. Yeah. Like they're not going to give yeah. you great vocal feedback if they're a preschool coach, maybe, but, right. but they would lead the team. They would communicate, they would care for people. And, in and I think too, in a, in a, if it's done well, ideally they look like staff, you know what I mean? Like people Correct. that attend, especially like in our kids area, I think they've got, they could look at that volunteer coach and think that's a staff person. They could think that for a year or two yeah. years, right? Before they ever find out, oh, you're not on staff? Yeah, okay. I don't think the org chart is a bad idea. I don't think that job descriptions are a bad idea um, yeah. for volunteers. I mean, it's clarity on what we're asking mm -hmm. you to do. And you're, you're volunteer. I'm volunteering for this role. Like I, I'd rather you mm -hmm. give me clarity and to know exactly what you want me to do um, mm -hmm. in it. So I don't, and, and where I sit with, you know, am I leading these team, this team or am I, where am I on the, yeah. in the organization? I don't think either one of those are, are bad. So I, you know, I've structured it that way where it kind of feels like an organizational chart, uh, with yep. job descriptions and the whole, the whole works like I, 
one, how do you one feel of my, about uh, when we first moved to this in the kids ministry years ago, I put up a, on a slide, an org chart, our current org chart and my name and like, you know, I put my name in some empty boxes, but that was our current org chart. So it didn't have coaches. And then I put one up with like, what if we have coaches? Right. And then, so these were empty boxes. And I, and then, but I had a picture though, where one of them had my name in all of those boxes. Cause my point was, right. I'm sort of I'm doing, doing all, this all now. of these. Yeah. yeah I, even though I'm kind of leading you all at once, I'm really not. I'm really leading the early childhood this way and preschool this way and elementary this way. And so the, um, that was helpful, I think, for people to see like, oh, I get why we need that. I talked Exodus right. 18, uh, Acts chapter six. I did all that. And, but then I even opened it up. Like who feels like this might be something they're interested in? Right. I always tell people there's a little downside there because you might get people that volunteer. They're like, oh, no, no. <laughs> and so you you right. do open yourself up a little bit if you invite people to kind of right. uh, apply, apply, so to speak, to be a volunteer right. coach. Right. And um, and I think I did have that. I think I had to have one conversation. I was like, yeah, I don't think this is a fit right. for you. Yeah, but no. it was still a good strategy. I got a few coaches just by doing that. But I, I think you're right, though. I think open it up as an opportunity, not as a, you know, like it's still – my decision to put people where where we ne- they need to go in the right seat on the mm-hmm. bus. This isn't like, yeah. oh, I'll just automatically jump in there. No, I'm. I, God has placed me here. Uh, you know, we're, we'll our leadership will kind of decide on where what the the best seat for. Not that we're being mean or or strict, but I, I do think that there yeah. is some responsibility there that on the staff member. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you can okay. tell them that. So they know on the front end. I distinctly remember, I mean, this was 15 years ago, but I distinctly remember one of the preschool volunteers who was awesome, so faithful. I was saying, when I was trying to sell this, I said, sometimes maybe you have looked at what we've done and you've thought we could do that better. I would do that differently. We should fix that. And my point was, if you've ever thought that, this role might be for you because mm-hmm. this is a leadership role. This is mm-hmm. a role where we want. And I remember the, the look on the one lady's face was like, who does that? And I was thinking to myself, leaders do that. Like I, right, you're right. an awesome volunteer, but you probably don't have quite that leadership thing in you, which is totally fine. Leadership is not a better gift. It's just another gift. And, uh, but what's funny is actually she has been a coach now for like a number of years. And and again, it's, it's, she's working outside her kind of natural gifts, but it's worked well, you know, it's yeah. worked well and she's learned that and it's been a really good thing. But uh, yeah. yeah, some people will know. And then there's those people that want it too much. And that's where it's like, oh yeah, we might need a different conversation. Right. <laughs> All right. One more area I want to hit on with you, and that's empowering volunteers. We kind of danced around this one a, a little bit. Um, and, and it's kind of the next step, right? If, if I'm going to put people in this position, I'm going to empower them to to do the work and not feel like I have to do 100%. I'm kind of in the, you know, if it's if it's 80% there and I don't, ha- I'm, I, I don't have to do it, it takes it off my plate, then I'm, I'm probably good with it. If it's 70, 80% of what I probably would have done anyway. Um, I think that's great to empower somebody else to do it. Also, too, is like especially on Sunday, I would go to the senior pastor and I would say, hey, pastor, if you're good with living in the 80 percent of let's call it perfection or excellence, you know, uh, meaning in the 20 percent, because we're working with volunteers, there's going to be miscues. There's going to be a lyric missed every now and then there's going to be. Things that go wrong every now and then. Now, of course, we're going to see those and go after those. But are you comfortable living in that 20%? If you're not, then maybe we need to hire full time or hire people to do these roles. But if we want to go the volunteer route, just know that like 
I, you know, there's going to be some margin of, of, uh, you know, grace there. Are you okay with that? It's funny you say that we, we, we literally tell our staff it's the 80% rule. Like the same thing you said, like if somebody else could do it 80% the way you do it, then you need, you need to hand it off. And some of that's like, we forget that we were doing it at 65% at one point, you know what I mean? Like we right, got right, better right, right. over right. time. So some of that, you just forget that. And then some of it is, I mean, we've had a number of conversations, uh, Carl, this is just the reality of ministry. I've had a number of conversations with other staff on our team where they're like, that was, that was a 60% Sunday. I don't think we can, you know what I mean? Or right, that was a right, 60% right, right. experience or like, however you want to call it. And it's like, yeah, we can't probably can't keep having that, but 80%, for sure. And I think you mentioned job descriptions earlier. Again, not the exciting part of ministry for most people, but what a job description can do is bring clarity and people love clarity. People love winning. So if I'm serving, if my role is I'm running the slides at this service and you've given me real specifics and we've all been there, right? When you're in the service and the slides are like late, you know, yes. like on the song or coming. Yeah. That happened a couple of weeks ago to me. And I'm like, I'm about to walk back there. Like, this is not my ministry, but yeah. I'm about to be like, no, we go forward on the, you know, third to last word or something yep. like that. I don't know. Word I don't before know what the, the last is. word every time, baby. There you That's go. It. See, I knew there's a rule. I just don't know. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, uh, again, clarity helps because then as the volunteer, you know, what's expected. You can do it because you know, it's expected. And then you feel good about that. You're like, I, I, we did that. Well, I mean, it's never going to be perfect but we did that well. So I think job descriptions are key. Training is key. And we didn't talk about this earlier, but I think onboarding is like the training hack. Like that's where you can train people, your volunteers to 80% of what they need. Uh, and I think that's true of almost any volunteer role. Like if you have a really good onboarding process and what we like to do is have an apprenticeship where you're serving alongside that person for four weeks or six weeks or whatever it is. And the way we do it is, um, you get some training content digitally. Hey, watch this five minute video this week. And on Sunday, we're going to talk about like safety and security in kids ministry or something like that. Or like in, in your world, it's like, watch this 15 minute tutorial on pro presenter this right. Sunday, you're going to stand by somebody who's going to do it. And they're going to talk to you through it next Sunday. Same thing. You're watching another video. That's a little bit more specific so you can fix some things when they're broken, right? And then that Sunday, you're going to stand again by somebody. Then the next Sunday, you're doing it, and they're With helping that person you. there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually you're the one that's yeah. showing people how to so, do it. So, so we caught that. We called that middle one bowling with bumpers. Like, nice. you know, you're, you're, yes. bo you're bowling, but there's somebody yeah. beside you right there making sure that you don't, you know, yes. dip in the That's uh, like when we, my gutter. kids recently, when we went bowling, they were like, uh, it, the bumpers was like, it was like, a, not a normal bowling alley thing. And, but you could like hit a button and the, the bumpers would just inflate or whatever. And, um, once one, my oldest kid saw the youngest one use it, he was like, I want that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, why, right. well, and I'm like, no, you're too old for that. Like right. you need to, you know, like, but in his mind, what is he thinking? Like, I don't want to mess this up. Right. Like right. I want, you know, I want to do this well. And that's the same. Especially when you're in front of, when what you're doing is in front and seen by everybody, you yes. know, I know you yeah. serve a lot in the kids area. You know, in our context, it's you miss a lyric, the entire congregation sees it, you know. Yeah, they all look back at you, you know, that that head turn. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, like, right. <laughs> what's happening exactly. there? So I yeah. think, and, and again, I don't, this is not, I'm a data person. A lot of the stuff in the book that we talk about is data backed. This is not. But I say 80%, meaning like, I really do believe that with a good onboarding and apprenticeship, you could get somebody to 80%. And then the rest of the time they're serving with you, you're just working on that last 20%, acknowledging that we're never there. 
So that's where the analogy kind of breaks down. You're, there's never like a hundred percent, but, um, and that's why I think because, and the reason I think that is because they will pay most volunteers will pay more attention during their first, you know, however many weeks, two months or whatever, than they will, you know, the rest yeah. of the time, you know, some, some volunteers are amazing. They're always engaged. They show up to every training. You know how that is, but mm -hmm. some folks three years in, it's like, yeah, I already know all that. Right. And so like you miss the window where they're going to be really attentive and really right. focused. And so I think that is one of the best way to empower them. But beyond that, you know, we just got to communicate well, lead well, um, cast vision, give them the freedom to lead within, you know, the job description. And that helps people take ownership. You know, it's like, yep, yep. This is, this is my small group that I'm leading. This is my service that I'm programming and I'm, I'm going to own it just like I was staff. Well, man, this is the book that needs to be out there right now. Um, I mean, uh, this this is a uh, a problem that needs to be that is looking to be solved with many ministry leaders. So I'm so glad that you uh, put it together and that it came out in the time that it did. Tell people how we can uh, how we can find you. I know you have some probably some additional resources and that sort of thing with the book. Tell us how we can find all that. Yeah, if you go to volunteerplaybook.com, it'll just redirect to a page on my site that has uh, has where you can get the book on Amazon. If you're like an Audible type listener, I did record it. That was a whole process, Carl. I could have used your help there. My my gear, which I thought was going to be fine, couldn't quite get me there until I had ended up with a Scarlet Two I Two box. And I'm sure your audience, a lot of your audience, knows what that is. So that did it for me because those Audible specifications were like crazy strict. But if you like the audio version, actually, if you get the paperback or the Kindle version, you can get the audio for free as kind of like a private podcast. So you can kind of have a two for one, but there's, I have free resources with every chapter of the book, mostly just to help people do what's in the book. Like my goal with the book was not a good book that you'd read. And like, those are good ideas. It was more like almost like a workbook in a sense, right. or like, you, here's Very some idea and here's how you can go implement it. Yeah. So it is, a, I mean, it's one of those things where don't read it and think you're going to apply all that in a month. You know right. what I mean? Like right. pick one thing at a time process, you know, usually recruiting is the top thing and then go from there. Yeah. And I hope it helps, you know, people recruit more volunteers, give ministry away and build healthy teams. Yeah. All right. Volunteerplaybook.com. Man, thank you so much for coming on. I hope people uh, go and grab this. It's uh, much needed in the space and, uh, and thank you for, for writing it. And I appreciate the time today, man. Thanks a lot. You bet. Thanks, Carl. Hey guys, I'm hanging out with our lead designer, Angie Lomas. Angie, talk to me about ready-made worship media. What are a couple of your favorites uh, and how churches are using those? Well, we do such a wide variety of different projects for ready-made. Uh, one of the projects that I did this summer getting ready for uh, fall is um, the, the time change. And so it was, you know, you get an extra hour of sleep. And so it was just an announcement graphic. Um, which is just a really fun one to do. Uh, some of the things that I really like doing are the boxes that we create. So you get the main title slide, but then you also get, you know, a lot of different assets that you can use during uh, your service. So we did one called The Body, um, and it's all about the body of the church and how we're all, you know, different body parts. And so the graphic was really cool because it kind of like had this illustration of different anatomy. And so that was a really fun one. And then of course we have you know, social graphics and we're getting ready for Christmas and Easter and all the uh, main holidays. But then you have just the, you know, the time change or uh, 
just in general, like come live stream with us or come join our church. So we have such a wide variety that it's been fun to uh, knock out different designs for such a, a array of things. Do you feel that? I mean, obviously never a dull moment uh, yeah. that, that you're getting to touch all kinds of different different things. Yeah, it's not just like the the big Easter and Christmas, which we love doing, but it's the it's the little one off of, um, hey, come to our our fall bash or hey, um, check out our kids ministry. And so, yeah, it's it's kind of being able to add into your library of assets, I guess, uh, for a church ministry that it's not just, well, we have, you know, we only have time to do Easter, Christmas, but why don't we just go on and snag a couple of these that we can use throughout the year? Um, I love being able to come alongside a different, you know, church staffs and being able to provide those kinds of assets. Yeah, and our library is really crafted in that way, both mm-hmm. at 1230 Media and then our 1230 Kids Library. Uh, they're both crafted in such a way that it's a quick grab and go. Um, or you can build out your whole series but with our series in a box or, mm-hmm. or other uh, products. Um, so really to save the church time uh, and, and the team time. We both know how overloaded the staff member can be at a church. And so to go on and grab some social graphics or some title graphics, announcements, uh, or even a series, things like that is, is, uh, saves you a lot of time so that you can spend more time with your volunteers, uh, with your family and have a life and not burn out so quickly. So, uh, Angie, thank you for all that you do for our ready-made library, uh, and just serving the church in general. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Hey guys, thanks so much for hanging out this week. Our online home for this podcast is makingsundayhappen.com. You can get all archive episodes there for free, absolutely free for you and your church, makingsundayhappen.com. All right, we are down to the last two episodes of this podcast forever before I am whisked away and I will take on hosting duties for a brand new podcast called Your Visuals Matter. And uh, it's going to be great. The new podcast, we've already uh, almost completed season one. We're working on it. It's in production now, and it is fantastic. You're going to love it. Uh, It's all about how to visually communicate the gospel using graphics and video. We're going to be very elementary, very basic, uh, so that we can hit churches of all sizes. All right, so be looking for your visuals matter coming soon. All right, next week, lead pastor of Life Church. Pastor Craig Rochelle will be in the house. We'll be talking about his latest book as well as his advice and insight for ministry leaders, how to have longevity in ministry and more. So don't miss it. Go out there and create some incredible worship experiences at your church this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.